Hey, dear saints, you're listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword. Sermons from Pastor Kilgo, preached at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We pray that as you hear God's word, you would be strengthened in faith and love and rejoice in the joy of the Lord's promises and kindness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Your saints, one of the more important things that the Lord gives us to do in this life is the work of evangelism, the work of telling other people about the great love of Christ for us, telling other people of the scriptures, the law, the gospel, the the entirety, the whole counsel of God. And this is a marvelous and, and joyful work that the Lord gives us to do. One of the issues that we run into this is twofold. One, we tend to make it significantly more complicated than it actually is. And we fail to recognize that there's a bunch of things that fight against it. Now, the simplicity of this is something that we actually see in the text today. There, there's a, a pattern to this. The first thing for us to do is to hear God's word to have it implanted into our hearts and mind. And through that, to actually know God's word, not not just to to give it a superficial listening, but to actually hear it and learn to know it so that we can speak it without having to like pull out our Bible apps or something like that. And then to actually do that, to speak God's word to his people. And in the process of all this, to not be afraid. And then you repeat. That's the whole pattern. That is evangelism. It really is that that simple. The problem that we have, though, is that while it is a simple task, it is not an easy task. Those aren't the same thing. And part of the thing that makes this not an easy task is that there are forces that fight against it. It it would be an easy task if everybody was just a blank slate and there is nothing out in the world that fought against this proclamation of the scriptures. But that's not the reality that we live in. This is what the Lord instructs us of, for example, in the parable of the sower, where Jesus goes out and he spreads his word abroad with reckless abandonment. Some falls in the past, some falls in the weeds, some falls uh, on the uh, uh, in the uh, in the shallow dirt, and some falls into the good dirt. And only the stuff in the good dirt actually bears up and gives abundant fruit. The rest of it is fought against by the devil and by the world and our own sinful flesh. These are the the enemies of evangelism, the enemies of preaching God's word to our neighbors that sits around out there. The devil is the chief of those, but the devil, we have to remember, recruits to his aid other things in this work. He recruits our own sinful flesh, and he recruits the world in order to fight against the proclamation, the implantation of his word in the hearts and minds of men. And in the midst of that, the devil, understanding the simplicity but the difficulty of evangelism, is going to encourage us to not do these things, to not hear God's word. You you don't really need that. To not know God's word. You can hear it, but, I mean, you've always got your Bible in your pocket, so it doesn't really matter if, if you know it or not. To not speak God's word, because then... Bad things might happen. People might get upset with you if you spoke God's word. And especially to be afraid. To be afraid of what the world might think. 
to be afraid of creating enemies, to be afraid even, like this is a particularly, I think, pernicious temptation, to be afraid of doing it the wrong way, of saying the wrong thing. And, and all of that drives us away from actually doing any of it. And this is, this is what the devil wants us to do. Instead, the devil would rather have us come, come up with all sorts of extravagant things, these amazing evangelism programs. You just do a search online, you find all these things, all these silver bullets that are guaranteed to grow your church, guaranteed to get people in the door and excited for Jesus. And there's a commonality with all of these rather large programs. They have very little to do with God's Word. Because that's actually difficult. It's simple, but it's difficult. The devil wants you to believe that if we found evangelism upon our hearing and our knowing and our speaking God's word, that that will be doomed to fail. Because the idea of relying on something so simple to convert the hearts and minds of men will obviously never work. At least so says the devil. This is kind of what we see going on with the, with the gospel tax, with the, the, the fishermen here and with, with Peter. So the Lord instructs the disciples after he's gone out in the boat and he's taught them, he instructs them to let down their net into the deep and catch fish. But the fishermen know better. That's the wrong time of day. That's the wrong place. The disciples had already cleaned and untangled their nets. And so you get the initial protest of Peter. Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. What's it going to matter? We, we already tried. It's not going to work, Jesus. You don't know what you're talking about. We're, we're the professionals here. We're the fishermen. We know how to catch fish, and it, and it didn't work. We're just going to try again, again, a different location later. What we fail to realize in this, what, what Peter is doing here, is he's giving an example of what we, what we do when we turn our eyes away from the Scriptures as the only thing that can convert men. God's Word as the only thing that can actually accomplish that which is, that it is, which is, it is, it is sent for. Peter, though, relents. He doesn't stay in kind of this, this uh, obstinate idea. He says, at your word, I will let down the nets. He gives the initial protest. This is the picture of our own protest to God of, God, this is not going to work. Me going out and just telling people your word is not going to work. But at your word, I will let down the nets. At your word, I'll do it. Maybe you, maybe you know something I don't. And what follows is really quite wonderful. They, they, they catch so many fish that the boats themselves start to sink into the water. They're, they're overflowing. And this parallels then at the end of the gospel, if you remember this in John, uh, where they, they catch this great catch of fish while Jesus is on the, the beach cooking breakfast for them. And the nets are breaking. And Peter, again, is the one to recognize like who this is. And he throws off his cloak and he dives into the water and leaves everybody else to haul the, the fish to shore. There, there's, there's, this, uh, there's this common theme that happens in the scriptures where, where Jesus will give a command to the disciples to do something that seems like it's not going to work and that it shouldn't work, but at his word, it happens. 
And then at the end of this, when Peter realizes who it is exactly that's sitting there in the boat with them, this is the Lord himself. He falls down at the knees of Jesus and says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Which is the proper response when you recognize that you're in the presence of the eternal God himself. To which Jesus gives the final admonition that we have in our little simple evangelism tool. Do not fear. Stop being afraid. The Lord, in his mercy, consoles Peter in his fear and tells him, from now on, you will be catching men. And implicit in this is, in the same way that you caught the fish, at my word. It is always that simple. It is the word of God that captures the hearts and minds of men and converts them. It is at Jesus' word that we let down the nets and we trust him to give us the fish. That we hear God's word, that we know it, that we speak it, and we do so without fear. Rinse and repeat. Now there's another parallel with this, and that's Elijah in the Old Testament text. Elijah is sitting there, and, and he's afraid, but in order to kind of get the full picture of this, we need to back up and understand what's led up to this point where Elijah is up on the mountain, and he's hiding, and he's afraid. Now, this starts not with Elijah, as it turns out, but it starts with the, the coming of a new king. This is King Ahab. And he takes over Israel, and what he does is what a lot of the other kings tend to do. They start going after other gods, listening to other words, setting up uh, temples to Baal and Asherah poles and all these sorts of things. This is, this is the, the Lord's description of Ahab coming into power. Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, the king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. Ahab, part of the problem that sets out at the very beginning is he takes a wife, not out of the people of Israel, but from the Baal worshippers. It's actually even built into the name of the of Jezebel's, well, actually, uh, we, we don't hear this, but Jezebel in Hebrew is actually Jezebaal. Uh, the, the, the name of Baal is actually on in her name itself, the same as her father's, Ethbaal. Uh, their, their names actually carry the name of God in the same way that the names of the people of God carry the names of God. For example, all the, the ah endings like Elijah, that ah is the name of the Lord built into their name. So Ahab takes uh, a, uh, an unbelieving wife and she brings with her all of this uh, false worship, all of this Baal worship, and it, it filters then into the rest of the people of Israel. And the Lord then commands Elijah as the prophet to go and, uh, and start preaching. And the preaching begins at Zarephath, where he goes to the widow. And we know the story, the, the, the widow at Zarephath. Uh, and he raises her son. And they're able to eat from this uh, jar of, of flour for, for many days. Uh, and then eventually uh, he does die. And in the midst of all this, you get the, uh, the, the famine that is sitting there in the land for seven years. And after all of this, the Lord sends Elijah to the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel, and he meets the 450 there, 
And they have this competition to see whose God is the true God. They set up this altar and the prophets of Baal go first and they pray and they pray and pray and uh, nothing happens. And Elijah sends all sorts of kind of humorous uh, jabs at them, uh, probably the best of which is maybe your God is relieving himself in the bathroom and that's why he's not answering. It's probably the best of the, of the insults that are there. And, but nothing happens because this is a false God. This is a God that doesn't have ears or eyes or, or a mouth. So Elijah comes up and he, he pours, tells them to pour jars of water over everything so that when the Lord does answer, it will be very, very clear. And this is what Elijah prays that in order that they would know that you are the true God, he says, I know that you are the true God, but in order that they would know, make yourself known. And the Lord sends down fire and licks up all the water and the wood and the, and the altar itself, and everybody is, is amazed. All throughout this, all the things that happen, that there is a common theme that sits there, and that is the Lord sending Elijah to open his mouth to speak God's word. That's the thing that's always sitting there in the background of the whole series of events. And then what happens at the very end of this, and it's why it's kind of a surprising thing that, that Elijah is sitting up on the mountain afraid. After all these events, he encounters Jezebel and Jezebel's out to, to kill him. And he goes up and he hides on the mountain because he's afraid. He's afraid for his own life. He's afraid what the people are gonna think when they hear this preaching. It's the same sort of fears that we tend to have. And so the Lord rebukes Elijah and he sends him back down with his word. He says, you have my word, speak it, and do not be afraid. The Lord will preserve Elijah, especially into eternity. And, and the Lord does the exact same thing with us. He does the same thing with, that he does with the disciples, teaching them to be fishers of men. He does the same thing with Elijah. All this, it all has the same commonality, that the Lord gives us his word to hear and to know and to speak, and to not be afraid of doing any of those things, because those are, despite all of our ideas, those are the things that are actually going to convert the hearts and souls of men. Because the word of the Lord does not return to him void. It accomplishes that for which he purposes it. And the thing that the Lord purposes his word for is the bringing about of faith, the sustaining of that faith, the forgiveness of sins, bringing us to be reconciled with the Father through the blood of Christ, baptizing us, absolving us, feeding us, and finally bringing us into the blessed resurrection, where the Lord's voice, his word, continues to do all these things, where he calls to our graves to open them and raise us out of our graves and set us in immortality and perfection with the rest of the saints before God forever. It's, it's always bound up to these things. And that's why we are exhorted to live in, the, in this simplicity of evangelism and what St. Paul or St. Saint, Saint Peter uh, exhorts us to. The same St. Peter who was admonished by the Lord in the boat now gives to us this encouragement. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. We can summarize this in a, in a different way. Hear God's word, know God's word, speak God's word, do not be afraid, rinse and repeat.
In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword, sermons by Pastor Kilgo at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We'd like to invite you to join us for church, Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and at other times throughout the week. Please visit our website at redeemer-lawrence.org for more information. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.